Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 422 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome my good friend, Mr. Arel Moody, to the show. Now, Arel and I have been in the industry. We got actually got started together nearly two decades ago. And so we're going to start by taking a, a quick trip down memory lane, share how we got started, and uh, ultimately where this journey has taken us. Now, Arel has built an incredibly successful and sustainable speaking business. And so during our conversation, he's going to be sharing more about where his business is at today, the niche he's serving, and why it has him so energized. Arel is also going to highlight uh, what it's been like for him where he's always had leads that have come to him, but he's actually developed a new tool that has really increased the volume of leads that are coming to him from each speaking gig that he does. This is really, really cool. I think you're going to love this. Now, despite the challenges that the speaking industry has faced, Arel is really confident that there will continue to be a market for speakers. And he's also going to be unpacking ways to make it easy to get booked and paid to speak and prove that you're really good at what it is that you do. He has a method of using data and a survey to get booked and paid that is changing the game for speakers and decision makers. He's going to be talking about it during our time together. This tool that he has created is fantastic. It's a must-have for speakers in all seasons of building their business. Arel has so much incredible insights to share, so let's get right to it. Here's episode 422 with my buddy Arel Moody. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, I'm super excited. I've got a really good friend of mine uh, that have been in the uh, industry with this guy for, uh, I mean, dude, we're coming up on like two decades uh, is Easy. what it seems like, I think is what the math checks out to be. We're talking with my uh, good friend, Arel Moody today. And Arel, uh, he's special to me in multiple ways, but um, I was looking it up, man. You were actually on uh, episode 25. I mean, we're at well over 400 at this point. So you are one of the OGs. Uh, one of the reasons that Arel is special to me is he and I got started around the same time years ago, again, coming up on maybe close to 20 years of just two young lads chasing the speaking dream. And fast forward, now we're just old men chasing the speaking dream. So, uh, man, I appreciate you being back with us today. It's going to be fun. You know, I enjoyed knowing that we spoke when I had hair. I think you never had hair. I don't think I knew never, you at that never. phase of time. But I had hair when we started. So that that's how far back the archives go. And let's, uh, I mean, for context sake, let's go, let's go take a quick trip down memory lane. How did you and I first get connected? This is fun. Yeah, so we started speaking. I mean, I think we were both in our early 20s, um, maybe like early to mid 20s. And we started speaking with an organization that allowed us to get into high schools and colleges. And uh, it, it was just doing someone else's content. And I think what you and I both like shared or had in common is one, we realized like we could probably do our own content maybe a little bit more 
robustly. Nothing wrong with the other content. It's just we had our own message. And we like the business game. I think we both like the entrepreneurship, the business side. And you see a lot of speakers who focus only on craft. And I think that um, where I connected with you is that you had a great keen business mind and a speaking mind. And um, I think that's rare. And I think that's why like your podcast is so valuable because you really blend the craft and the business really well without overbeating one over the other. Cool, man. I appreciate the kind words. So, uh, yeah, you and I, we got started doing assemblies together uh, early on. Uh, we have joked about this before that we were getting paid $100 to do a school assembly, and we thought we were making bank. I mean, we were like, this is legit. This is Just amazing. Just know if you worked really hard, Come on you now. You make $105. $105. It was all based on how far you drive. So if you you drove you drove a little bit further, 105, maybe 110, you get that 15. And it was 15. the best. It was like the you it was awesome though. Me. We're living the you dream. You didn't tell me it wasn't the best thing in the world at that time. It was totally. the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was amazing. And so uh, one of the things that's been super impressive about you is again, this is you know 20 years ago or so, close to 20 years ago. And you've had a very, very successful, steady, consistent speaking career since then, which is really hard to do over that long of a period of time. So I'm curious, just uh, in episode 25, we talked uh, a bit more about your journey, but like, kind of catch us up today now. How much are you speaking? You've got your hand in a couple other projects. One specifically we're going to talk about as it relates to speakers, but how often are you speaking? Who are you speaking to? And then also like, what, what's working for you today? As we record this late 2022, uh, obviously the speaking industry has been through dramatic shifts. We're also sitting at a point in time where we have no idea what the economy is going to do and inflation and politics and yada, yada, yada. So uh, catch us up on what the business looks like for you today and then also kind of uh, how speaking fits into to your business in the future. Yeah, so speaking has been, you know, the thing that I hope to do until I don't breathe anymore, right? So I, I'm not one of those people that go, I can't wait to get out of the biz. Like, I'll always be doing something and speaking, right? So now what that looks like is primarily I speak to uh, the business professional uh, audience, so corporate audiences, uh a lot of it is employee development, leadership development, and specifically, I got really fascinated with this uh, section of research called adult development theory. And basically, there's the short end of it is there's 60 years of research uh, with tens of thousands of data points uh, independently uh, organized by multiple folks that have proven that adults pass through these predictable stages of maturity and development. And each stage has different ways we make meaning of the world, what infuriates us, what gets us excited, and it explains so much in human dynamics why people don't get along, why two people could be in the same room and see something completely different, why leadership can see something as clear as day and frontline staff thinks they're idiots, and why leadership think frontline staff don't see the big picture. So I got really excited about it because only a very small group of academics actually know this work. And if you look up any of the work, and it's fantastic research, Dr. Suzanne Cook-Reuter, Bina Sharma, are incredible people who've done a lot of research on it. It's incredible. The challenge is most people don't read academic papers, and the people who do read it spend their time in academia mostly, not often as much in the professional world. So what I've done is applied that into the business world. And I teach these strategies now to businesses. And it's been, um, it's been, it's absolutely incredible. As you said, we started in the student market and I was doing that primarily for a long time. And I think what happened is because I became older, I had more in common with a manager, a leader, than I did with a 16-year-old. So it doesn't mean I don't love them, it's just like my life experience and what I care about 
more tracks to that demo. So being able to make that jump from student to corporate um, was really important and where I spend most of my time. I probably do about, I don't know, probably at this point about 60 events uh, a year. And next year my goal is to kind of pare that down to 20 as I develop the, the software tool that we'll talk about. Cool. That's awesome, man. What what are you what is working for you right now uh, as far as like finding and booking gigs on a consistent basis? Because I think sometimes people assume like, okay, you've been at it for again close to twenty years, like it just must just be cake and and gigs just fall in your lap. And like, yeah, there's it gets easier for sure, but it also like it's a flywheel and you gotta do a little bit of work to maintain that momentum. So like what's working for you today just for for finding and booking gigs? Yeah, and for frame of reference, I completely pivoted outside of that place where I had that that kind of stuff coming to me, which was in the student market, and totally transitioned over the last two years into the professional development space, right? So for the most part, no one knows who I am, right? And that's the exciting part. So what I like about this stuff we'll cover today is that it's not like, you, you talk to a lot of speakers who've been in the game for 15, 20 years, You'll ask them what they do for marketing and their response will be nothing. Everything comes to me. It's all referral, right? But when you have to develop it and get into a new market, like that's really where, where the premise is a little bit different. So what I'm doing right now that's working really, really well are two things. Um, the first thing is the thing that I probably talked about <laughs> back in whenever we did our first interview, which is you got to find a vertical where they have a membership-based association and those membership-based associations have conferences. If you can identify, these are the people who I want to have book me to speak and get in front of them, right? So one of the groups that I love right now is a, it's a national organization. They have state chapters. It's called ASAE. It stands for the American Society of Association Executives. So I want you to imagine a room full of people that all are association executives, meaning they run their own association. So imagine speaking to a room full of people where everyone in that room has their own association, which has their own conference which books their own speakers, right? And there are state chapters all over. Um, it's a fantastic niche that I think most people just don't know about. So one is speaking at those conferences, so getting in on the you know state level or uh, you know one go. I haven't done national yet, but just on the state level. So that's been going really well. So every time someone sees me speak there, um, by default, by using the lead capture tool and the data tool that I use, it allows me to, to get speaking engagements. It's called Talkadot, which we'll talk about. And then the other thing that I've been doing is something I call the self-showcase. So self-showcase is where I get a list of people. So let's say um, you get a list, you join an association, they give you a member list, or you go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator and search a certain title. Um, so for example, you can search Director of Student Activities if you want the college market or a Director of Education and Marketing in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and anyone who has that in their title will uh, show up. I then will save that as a list and export it to an Excel spreadsheet through something called wizza.co, right? And now I have a spreadsheet of a couple thousand people that meet a very specific criteria of who I want to book. Then I reach out to them and say, hey, I'm doing a free training on this subject called adult development theory. Here's how it's going to benefit your organization. Totally free. Come check it out. Then I deliver a keynote virtually on Zoom completely for free. And then at the end, I use Talkadoc to get data and, and capture leads. And then those people turn into the people who I follow up with and book. So I literally do those two things and that's it. And then everything develops from there and it works really well. And I think if there's, and I want to say this very quickly, if there's anyone telling you or if anyone's listening to this going, oh my gosh, speaking industry, I'm so scared. Literally speaking has never gone away. 
even in the pandemic, virtual speaking shot up through the roof, right? So like, it's never, never, never gonna go away. In my humble opinion, I hope I'm right, everyone can be wrong, but you just have to know how to pivot and move um, where the, the money is and where the opportunity is. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point that, you know, that this, the speaking industry has been around for literally decades. It's been around longer than either of us have been around uh, and it will be around long after us. And it survived wars and recessions and depressions and 9-11 and pandemics. And like it, it's, it's seen some things and it's still uh, humming along. There will always be opportunities for speakers. So we've, we've teased the it. The only thing that will take us out is AI. As soon as there's no workers and no students, then we're out. As long as there's employees and students, we'll always have a job. You and I will be dead by then, uh, hypothetically, before the robots take over. Uh, all right, we've been teasing it a, a little bit, this uh, this new tool that you've developed called Talkadot. And I think you reached out to me, I don't know, a year plus ago and just like, hey, man, I'm working on this tool. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. And then uh, we got together a couple months ago um, uh, for at a conference and you whip out your laptop. It's like, hey, man, let me show you. I was like, oh, dang, like this is great. Like this is a really, really solid tool. You've really put together a great resource. So let's kind of set the table here. First of all, kind of explain what exactly is Talkadot and maybe kind of even then go back in time of, of what need is this solving for speakers? What problem is this solving for speakers, maybe in your own business? And then kind of realizing like, hey, this, you know, it's not just exclusive to you. All speakers are uh, have this uh, potential challenge. So give us kind of an overview of what exactly is this, this tool. Yeah, I think all savvy speakers, all smart speakers will like simply put the best speakers make it easy for people to say yes to book you. The people who struggle put all of these friction points for someone to say yes. So as an example, if you don't have a speaker demo video and you wanna get booked to speak, you're putting a friction point in between you and making it easy for them to say yes. If you don't have a website, right? And this is why like what you do with your coaching is so important because you give people email templates for outreaches. It's making it easy for people to say yes, right? So one of the things that I realized, which was really fascinating about the speaking industry, and I, I think no one is addressing this, and it's a huge problem, right? Which is how do you prove that you're actually good at what you do. How do you prove it? Here's what we do with speakers. We say we're good. I'm the best. Look at my pictures. Don't you see me on stage? Don't you see me? Don't you see my amazing video with the laugh track on it? Don't you see all these cool edits I put? I'm the best, why don't you believe me? Because today, and you've gotta know this is true, we've never had more cynical, critical consumers than ever, right? So I don't believe you. I'm, I'm, I'm going, you, have you ever gone to someone's website and someone said, yo, this is the fourth best speaker I've ever heard, and they put that on their website? Like, they don't. So what happens is, in our world, is there's really a tough way to prove you're actually good. Um, so that, that's the premise of it. So let's make it easy for people to say yes, and let's make it easy to prove how good we are. Well, what's the easiest way to do it? It's data. What, how are, what are my audience saying about my events? What, what is the experience like? And let's objectively turn that into data to say 90% of my audience says this, 86% feel this. Like, like if you look at the most highest paid speakers, they can give you percentages of what their impact is, what their data shows. And almost 99% of other speakers can't. Why? Well, because it's hard to grab data, number one. And number two, 
Um, I believe people are scared of it because they're like, well, I'm not a, a that data scientist, I'm a speaker, like, so I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. So the premise behind it was to do two things. The first one is to solve that problem. So we have a really easy QR code that pulls up a survey. We like to say we took the last five minutes of your talk and turn it into a calendar full of speaking engagements. So you invite your audience to take this very, very quick, less than two minute survey. They take the survey and then instantly this data report gets created for you that shows how many people want to hear you speak again, how effective it was, how relevant it was, how inspiring it was, and then you get testimonials pulled and you also get ways for you to improve upon your speaking immediately. So what that allows you to do when you go to get rebooked is you can show the data. Here's what the audience had to say about our event. 98% said they want to hear me speak again. Let's do another one of my programs. 78% said it was valuable. 86% like they, they like now you can instead of saying, hey, I liked it, you liked it, like that awkward first date, should we do another one? We can be like, no, no, the data shows they want to do more. And then if I'm reaching out to someone, instead of me saying, here's my demo, here's my bio, I can be like, here's reports from my last 25 speaking engagements of every single audience member unedited saying I'm doing a good job. Um, you can't, you can fake one report. You can't fake 25, right? Like you'll get this pattern. Um, and then finally, the other thing is leads. Um, I think that the best person to book you to speak, period, is someone who's seen you speak. So when you're in the audience and you go, oh my gosh, I want to book Grant, he was an amazing speaker. And then afterwards, I want to run up to you, but there's a group of people surrounding you. I may go, I don't want to wait in this line to give him my card. I'll get him later and then I forget and then move on. But what if I can grab everyone in the audience who says, I, I, I book speakers and I want to book you. Here's my contact info. So the survey does that as well, um, only for the people who want to book you. So at the end of the talk, you get data and you get a list of people in the audience who want to book you to speak. So you have people to follow up with and you have data to prove what you're doing. And it makes rebooking and getting booked way easier than ever before. Have you found, uh, okay, well, first of all, let, let's kind of, um, from a logistical standpoint, you kind of mentioned this QR code. So at the end, you've got a slide with a QR code. People scan that, and then there's a couple questions there that they're going to answer. You're going to get the data on the back end. What are those questions? Any logistics that you found that have worked well? Kind of best practices for, you know, a lot of, like like a lot of speakers put up, you know, text a number or QR code or something. Is there some incentive for them to do that? Like, how, how do those last few minutes go? Yeah, great, great question. So what we found, and we've done over 10,000 um, uh, different, we've got over 10,000 responses. So we have a lot of data showing what works and what doesn't work, right? And here's what we found works the best right now. You don't do it at the very end. This is what most people do. Thank you so much. And they're getting this round of applause and they go, hey, text this number if you want to stay in touch. And maybe people do it, maybe they don't. What I've actually found is you actually leave them with your final thought. And then you usually end with some type of call to action, quote, or thing you want them to do. You sandwich it in between that. So I leave them with my final idea and right before I go into my close, right before I go into the close, I go, out of curiosity, did anyone find this talk valuable? Oh, if you did, the greatest way you can pay me back is take less than two minutes, scan this QR code, let me know what you think about it. Um, it helps me know what you like so I can do more. It helps me know what you don't like so I could do less. And then as a thank you, I'll give you this PDF, this video. So one of the things that we have built into Talkadot is after people take the survey, they can enter in a code. And at the end of the survey, if you've got a PDF, an Excel spreadsheet, a video, an audio program, a special URL on your website that has like continued resources or valuable stuff, it gives it to them. So typically if they want that thing, which most people will want anything at that point, 
they can get that. So there's a little bit of an incentive. Um, you have them do it and then you say it takes about two minutes on an average We've timed every single one. It takes less than two minutes for people to fill out the whole thing What I say is when you're done if I'm in person look up and I'll leave you with my final thought before we go By me saying that I'm saying to the audience. We don't leave until you take the survey So go ahead and take it now or we could be here forever and they go, okay, great. And so what happens is you get that same everyone's doing it experience that you get with paper because most QR code surveys, people don't take them. But with that script in this position at this timing, we get about 60 to 80% of every audience taking the survey, right? So it's really, really, really valuable. Um, And then when they all look up, I go into my final quote, my closing or my call to action, whatever it might be. So you give them a little incentive you give them, you ask, and, and I'll give you this because like you'll get this grant. Um, I asked them how many people found this talk valuable before I asked them to take the survey. Why? Because in that moment, my reciprocity with them is at its highest. If I did my job as a speaker, everyone should raise their hand. And then I go, great, the best way you can pay me back is to take this survey. At that point, you've psychologically uh, coaxed people, if you will, to, to want to help you. Um, and normally people do it at the end and no one pays attention. So that methodology, that those phraseologies and that timing, you'll get 60 to 80% of the audience every time. And so even just kind of seeding it there of just kind of um, not only from like a reciprocity standpoint, but also like how many of you found this valuable? People are raising their hand and then you're going to turn around and ask them in a survey. And it's like, well, here's the answer I literally just gave. And so it's a lot more likely to, to give that answer. So uh, so part of the point that you talked about was just kind of the objective data that then you could go back to that event planner, that decision maker, the person that booked you for that event and say, hey, it went really well. Again, not because you and I have a subjective feeling about it, but based on like, here's what your audience actually told me. Have you found that that has led to like repeat bookings or referral or spinoff business with that same client? Where, where, where I am by using this methodology, I'm averaging about four speaking engagements per client right now. And that's huge for most people. And here's why. I'm going, look at this incredible data. 70% found you know the, this talk relevant. found that it was engaging. And look with all these testimonials. What happens is almost consistently, my clients go, I've never seen anything like this. You're the first speaker that's ever showed me any data. And then here's what happens. So let's explain the psychology behind the data, why it's so important. They then get to go to their decision makers or their fiscal office and show them this was a good investment. We, we made a good choice with this speaker instead of what currently happens is the fiscal goes, why are we spending so much to bring this person in? Or the executive goes, why are we spending this much money to bring the speaker in? We could get like better food. Well, before it was like, well, and, and, and a lot of the, those decision makers, unless they see you speak, which many of them won't, or they'll come in for the first five minutes, the most high level people and leave, they won't know. But if you can show them data that they then can add to annual reports, that they then can use to confirm they made good choices and they've got data to back it up, it becomes, and this is the key word, trust. I can trust you, right? And what happens as a speaker, which I think like I'm on this like mission for speakers, is I want us to get the respect that we deserve. I think a lot of speakers are having to sell themselves and do a dog and pony show, when in reality, we deserve respect for our expertise. But now if we can back it up, not only with videos, pictures, and subjective stuff, but with data, now you have to go, I respect that, I trust you, I know you're going to do a good job, because what a lot of people, I think, 
don't realize, Grant, is when people book you, they're often putting their job on the line. They're putting their name on you. And if I can make them comfortable saying yes, because I've got data and showing, hey, you should bring me back because look at this data. Has anyone ever done this before? No, they trust. And with that trust, you start getting rebooked. And I'm averaging about four per client simply because they go, it's easier to go with you because I know you're going to do a good job. You have data to prove it. And I and I have a series of four events, which is like another benefit is like have at least four talks so you can get booked four times. You can't have one talk and get it booked four times with the same org typically. Um, so because I have multiple talks that are on the same subject, it just makes sense to keep doing it. Absolutely. And it just, uh, uh, it is always simpler for an event planner or decision maker to work with the known versus the unknown. And so you're exactly right. We beat that drum a lot that, that anytime an event planner or decision maker is booking you, uh, they are putting their neck on the line. And so they are in the risk mitigation business. Meaning like if I hire a rel and he gets up and he says something, you know, inappropriate or negative or controversial, and it makes me look bad. Like I look bad to my bosses and to the people there, but if a rel shows up and he crushes it, then I'm the hero. Like, Everyone's going like, where did you find this guy? This guy's amazing, right? So that data, again, is kind of like the, it's almost like Amazon reviews, you know, before you buy some type of unknown product, like I'm going to scroll to the bottom. I'm going to see what actual people or hopefully mostly actual people are saying about this product that just validates my buying decision. And so when you have that objective data that you can show to future event planners, decision makers, boy, it sure makes the, the buying decision a heck of a lot simpler and really reverses the potential risk that that they may be taking. Uh, I, I want to I shift gears for a second and talk about the other side of it you, you touched on, which is the leads, which I think is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Because like you touched on, there are in any given audience, this is one thing I think you and I have both probably discovered, is you have no idea who's in the audience. And oftentimes we may be thinking about, well, you know, I'm not speaking to a room of event planners. Nope, you're not. But you never know who knows who, who's connected to who. You know, I think we could probably both compare stories of, you know, you're speaking to something and then that person is married to someone who's hiring a speaker. This person's, I remember speaking at a high school assembly and she's like, my grandpa runs this major conference. She texted her grandpa and her grandpa booked me for this big deal. Uh, remember one where a lady uh, was a student at this, uh, like this college deal. Well, a few years later, she came back as the person that ran that event. And she's like, I remember you, you spoke years ago, but now I'm running the thing and I want to have you back. So again, you just have no idea who's in the audience. So again, kind of talk us through the logistics of how that works after the event. Someone has completed that, that QR survey. And not only are they giving you objective feedback on your, on the, the presentation and the talk, but then is there like a chance for them to opt in or I'm interested in hiring you or like what happens from there with those leads? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a really good point because um, we've all had this experience at an in-person event, right? You get off the stage, a group of people rush you, and you don't know which person is like, oh my gosh, we have the best local brewery. You have to go get our batter, our beer battered cheese. It's the best beer battered cheese in the whole wide world. And oh my gosh, what cologne do you wear? I want to get my husband that cologne. Like, you know, like you've got those people who are just shooting a breeze, and then you've got the other people who are like, yo, I want to book you. Here's my card. Now... I want to be able to be like comfortable talking to people without feeling like I need to get them to skedaddle because it's not like the best energy. So during the survey, one of the kind of, um, I think, simplistic genius things that one of my co-founders put in was it asked a question, do you book speakers? If they say yes, it takes them in one direction. If they say no, it takes them in another. If it says, no, but I know someone who does, I can refer you. It takes them yet in another. 
And then what happens at the end of um, the survey in your database is you get this lead list of everyone who raised their hand and said, I book speakers, I want to book you, and gave their info. And everyone who said, I don't book speakers, but I want to refer you to someone who does. So what that means is at the end of every talk, you have a group of people that you can follow up with that have seen you speak and raise their hand saying, I want you to contact me. And I cannot tell you, like I like there's one or there's one person who was in one of my audiences. She turned out to be not just an event planner, but a hired event planner for four different associations. So now we're talking about doing multiple talks with one of her clients and then keynotes for the other three clients that she serves. And it's like those that one person will be worth like, you know, like lots and lots of one impact, but also money. And it's it's pulled for you, which I think is the key, because most people, when they do the text thing, they're just getting a general list of people, but they don't know which are the people that rose their hand. And then the other thing we do is if people can't book you and they opt into your email, you also build your email list. So when you have a book or something else, uh, <laughs> speakers don't do a good job of building the email list and they don't do a good job of getting leads. Uh, and this solves it all and it puts it under this ability to get data up front. So most clients won't have an issue. They'll have an issue with you pitching from the stage, but they won't have an issue with you collecting data from stage. So you get the leads and you get the data and it's like you literally all you have to do is put up the slide and you're done. So you mentioned like uh, earlier that you you're booking around four gigs per gig that you're doing, which again has a massive, massive compounding effect. How many like on average, like how many leads are you typically getting from from any given event or percentage so basis? You'll get like three to four. I would say people who say again, it depends on the audience. Let me be clear. When I speak to the association group, you know, I got about twenty five, right? So it was, it's way different. But on average, you'll get people who three to four who say they want to book you. You'll get probably about seven or eight who say they want to refer you, and then everyone else will just be email opt ins. So then my goal is to go, well, tell me about the referral. Tell me about your event. And then it creates conversations, it creates um, warmness, and then I'm not chasing people, which is probably the worst feeling in the world. I'm having conversations with people. Yeah, yeah. Like in this case, like they, you know, did the, a digital raising of the hand. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'd love to, I'd love to talk more. And so, like you touched on earlier, you, you just have no idea how many of those people are in any given audience who may want to touch base with you, who may not want to stand in line, or who are like, crap, I got to get to my next session, or I got to go to a meeting now, but I'm gonna follow up with you later. And then later, they're like, dang, what was that guy's name? What was the website? And like, just life happens, you know. And then like, you, you lost out on that opportunity. But, but I would totally agree with something you touched on earlier that one of your best marketing tools is people seeing you live. And, and I remember a few times like people told me like, we don't book speakers unless we have seen them live. And I was like, great, my, my one responsibility is find when I'm in your area and get you to come see me live. And so when you've had people that have experienced that, it's kind of like, and again, this isn't exclusive to just speakers. This is, you know, restaurants, movies, Netflix shows, any, you know, hotels, resorts, whatever, where someone says, hey, I just experienced this thing and I'm telling you as my trusted friend or family member, whatever, you got to go to this restaurant. You got to watch this movie. You would love this show. And like, great, like that carries massive, massive credibility and weight. And so you've created an amazing tool that, that facilitates that for speakers, which historically has been really, really difficult to, to pull off. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things I like to think about is um, speakers right now are in what I call the taxi cab stage, right? Um, you and I probably are old enough to remember uh, trying to get a taxi back in the day before Uber, right? 
you know, maybe you got a dirty cab, maybe you got a guy smoking a cigarette, and it was like, well, where, what did you do about that? You needed to get from point A to point B, and you sat there on the street, and you waved people down, and you would just sit there waving, waving, waving. And then someone said, no, let's create Uber, let's create Lyft, and now let's have the ability for you to rate people and say what your experience is. And if this person isn't good, you know, they get booted off the system, we can put it all together. So our goal is to give that same level of objectivity where I can go right now and book someone who is not a taxi cab driver and I will get in their car and I feel comfortable with them taking me somewhere or Airbnb, I can book a house in Ogden, Utah and I've never been there before and feel comfortable doing it because I have this rating system of other people and I have this platform that's third party and impersonal, excuse me, um, what's the word? It's a... Uh, you can't, I can't mess with the data basically. Right? You know, so it's impartial, that's the word I was looking for. So I have a third party impartial person. It really does um, give you the opportunity in a, in a way that like this industry is just primed for to create more objectivity to what's been a very subjective world. Well, and speaking is very much a, a momentum business. And, and I've heard it said before, the more you speak, the more you speak. And so when you are able to really take each individual gig that you do and have that compounding multiplying effect like that, that's has a significant impact on growing a business. And so each gig leads to multiple gigs, even if it's just like each gig leads to one or two more gigs. Again, that really starts to add up uh, versus, like, again, feeling like you're, you're starting from scratch with every single lead that you're, you're chasing down um dude we have co i know we've covered a, a lot but i also know we, we kind of scratched the surface here any other like big picture things that we want to make sure we hit on as it relates to, to the software and why speakers yeah. need this? so you know what we're building with talk is is we want speakers uh, to make it easy to get booked to speak what i found is most speakers really like speaking they don't like everything else right so people if like in most people they say in a perfect world if i could just speak that would be amazing. So like we're trying to help people get closer and closer to it. Uh, one of the other features we have on it is um, if someone takes a survey and raises their hand, we give them the opportunity to embed their uh, meeting link. So if they have a Calendly, you can book me, schedule once, whatever. So if someone is super duper hot, they can actually click and schedule a meeting right then and there. So you can, after the talk, actually have stuff scheduled. So, you know, and we're super highly um, responsive. You know, my co, I have two co-founders. One of them built one of the largest um, non-Amazon-based Amazon businesses. You know, it was a, a nine-figure in revenue company. He built the tech side of it. And my other partner, she built an app that had over 25 million downloads before she sold it um, to a publicly traded company. So like, we just have really smart people and we're constantly iterating and trying to make the product better. So it's a really exciting phase for Talkadot because we realize as good as we like it, we're nowhere close to taking it to where we'd like it to be. And so the more speakers who use it and give us feedback, um, and I'm sure someone who's listening to this might be saying, well, how much does it cost, right? Um, so we have a free tier, so it's totally free. Um, we have a pro that has more features and more benefits, and it's just 35 bucks a month. So it's not like it's gonna cram somebody's uh, wallet. We bill it annually, so it's 420 bucks a year. Uh, but it's it, it just, one talk, pays for something like this times 10, but the, the goal is to make it easy. And that's, I think, what I'm most excited about is figuring out how to constantly solve that problem so that basically speakers can speak and they don't have to do a lot of the other stuff that they don't like. And then with the right coaching from someone like you on how to find and how to you know turn a lead into a client, I mean, then they could just focus on the stuff they're good at versus trying to flail in the ocean doing stuff they're not good at. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Let's go back to one thing you touched on there was the pricing. Like, listen, people, 420 bucks a year for something that will, uh, with uh, relative ease, if you use it right, generate thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for you is an absolute no brainer. I, I'm not an affiliate. I don't get a dime for this. Uh, I've seen the tool firsthand. It is a phenomenal tool. You would be ridiculous not to use this. And I, like Arel said, you got a free tier, so at least go give it a shot. Like I said, I don't make anything from this other than it is a great tool that every speaker needs to be using and needs to be uh, putting in your, your toolbox. So kudos to you, my friend, for creating a, a phenomenal tool. If people want to find out more about the tool, if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where, where can we go? Yeah, so talkadot.com. As I like to say in all my videos, if you want to talk a lot, head over to talkadot. I, I still think I could work on that one, but I, for that's now, okay. that's, that's all okay. right. I like it. It's good. So talkadot.com. So T A L K A D O T.com. I'm sure there'll be a link in the show notes um, if you're driving. And I, I, do me a favor. Um, if you're listening to this, I'm the only Orel Moody in the whole world, right? So my name, Orel Moody, there's only one of me. So if you go into LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, I'm the only one there. Do me a favor. I have a question for you. Those of you listening to this, how many of you listen to this in one speed, 1.5 speed, or two times speed? I just, I just, I want to know how people are listening to podcasts. And if you're listening to this, send me a message and tell me, do you list this in normal speed? So it's 1x. Do you do 1.5? Do you do 2x? I'm just super curious. So send me a message with that and it'll let me know that you actually listened and how you're listening. And it's just something I'm curious about. And uh, it's easy to find me on social media. How do you, how do you typically listen? What speed? I go 1.5. Okay. What do you do? Uh, it depends on the show. And it depends on kind of the nature of the topic, and it depends How on what I'm doing. There's a very, I'll go two x. Um, you go two x. I can't, but it depends on what I'm doing. Like if I'm if I'm uh, one of the things I one of my daily habits is I go for a walk around the neighborhood, and that's just a mindless thing. I'm just strolling along, so I can typically go 1.8, 1.9, 2x, and just I'm just walking the dog. So I don't have to think about anything. When I'm driving, I'm usually. 1.6, 1.7, because I got I, you got to at least be thinking a little bit there and be a little bit focused. Um, and it also depends on are you listening to something that's just kind of like some uh, frivolous fiction thing, murder drama, you know, and it's just kind of like background noise, or you're like, okay, I, I really got to track with this interview or whatever the conversation is. So I mean, there's a lot of variables and factors that go into speed. You're right. I can go to 1.75 if I'm listening to like pure like motivation. Like if I'm hearing like like David Goggins who's just mm-hmm. like stop being a little punk get up off the ground right like listening to that I can do that 1.75 but 1.5 if I'm listening to something that's like detailed and oriented but I'm just super fascinated at what speed people listen to audio programs now so please send me a message and just say what your number is I'd love to know awesome Aurel thanks for the time my friend I appreciate you Listen, you are the number one sexiest bald man with a beard in the speaking industry so I'm just trying to just trying to hold the candle to your son my friend It is an honor that I take very, very, very seriously. (laughs) All right, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. 
would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening right now? Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. We've got a ton of free resources and tools there. And you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.